Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of iFixYourSciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. All right. So as I have been uh, scouring the internet to try to find out what are other problems that people with sciatica are dealing with, one of the big problems that I see that aren't, that isn't often addressed is pregnancy and postpartum and also just even getting pregnant. And as you know, in this season, I'm focusing on actually interviewing experts and I want to be able to ask questions of things that I don't have answers to. And I was really lucky to be able to get in contact with Dr. Sarah Reven, who's a physical therapist and the owner of NOLA Pelvic health or pelvic therapy. Um, and also the owner of the Instagram handle, the vagina whisperer who knows all about pregnancy and postpartum and the pelvic floor health. So Sarah, thank you so much for being on today's episode. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so pumped that you're here and I'm really thankful that you are here. Um, Sarah, can you, uh, if, if you can tell us a little bit, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, and your journey to where you're at today. So um, I am a pelvic floor physical therapist. So some of you may or may not even know that you have a pelvic floor, but everybody has one. And the pelvic floor is a basket of muscles that sit at the bottom of your pelvis and they play a role in um, sexual health, reproduction, peeing, pooping, stability, uh, and movement. So, you know, as pelvic health PTs, as PTs, we work with muscles and I just work with the muscles in this area. I've been in um, this specialty for 15 years since I graduated from uh, PT school in St. Louis. And I am now in New Orleans. Um, I have my own clinic with, um, I work with two other amazing therapists. It's called NOLA Pelvic Health. And I have two boys that I'm, so I'm a full-time mom and a full-time working mom. And then I also have an online platform and Instagram, the Vagina Whisperer, which was, you know, really created five years ago just to share more about pelvic floor health and pregnancy and postpartum. And a lot of the things I felt like just needed to be part of healthcare and integrated into our health education, which a lot of people don't even know that this specialty exists yet. You know, often people are experiencing these problems like, you know, pelvic pain, sciatica, pregnancy changes, postpartum recovery, and we are specialists that can help them with that process. That's so cool. Yeah. Pelvic physical therapy is, um, is such an amazing specialty. Um, and I say amazing because you do such magical work and I'm not just, you know, trying to blow up your ego, but it's something that I truly believe in. And my wife, who's not a physical therapist, truly believes in as well. Like whenever we get an opportunity to speak with, um, pregnant women or postpartum, and we learn about the challenges that they go through, um, with my background in health, like one of the biggest things that I do ask people, um, women postpartum is like, tell me a little bit more about like pelvic floor function. Like, are you having issues with X, Y, and Z? And, um, what's interesting is that 
most of the time, I'm actually the first person who asks them about it. And I'm just like a, I'm, I'm a physical therapist who focuses on back pain, sciatica pain. But when I get that a chance to ask them, they're like, oh my gosh, you're the first person to ask me. And so whenever I get presented with a scenario where they're having issues with pelvic floor or even um, hernia diastasis, um, I always refer them to pelvic floor specialists because there's something I, I, and we'll talk a little bit more about it um, today, but there's something that you do um, that you look at and everything that you do is really impactful in regards to what they do. So I just wanted to, again, say thank you um, for that. Um, oh, that's awesome. I am, um, you know, I, I really love this specialty practice. And I think people always ask, like, how did you get into this? And I didn't have pelvic floor issues. I This was the first specialty I picked right out of grad school. I never did ortho. And um, I think I just really love working with these patients. I feel like to have somebody come in and share these really intimate details about their life, about their sexual health, about their, you know, what they consider embarrassing symptoms or peeing and pooping. It's, you know, they've never really talked to anybody about that. And when they get better and their quality of life is so vastly improved, it feels so rewarding. And so it's, um, you know, I always say my love language is words of affirmation. And so when they tell me like, oh my gosh, this changed my life or this is amazing. And like that keeps feeding my passion to be like, we have to keep educating more people about this and helping more people. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, same thing for me, uh, words of affirmation is my love language. And so it's, uh, I'm totally vibing with that. So let's take, let's talk, let's talk about um, the pregnancy itself and kind of like a big blanket statement. I think, uh, let's talk a little bit about some like common orthopedic issues that you see um, in, in, in pregnancy and why, why do you think that's the case? It's a very Absolutely. big, broad statement for you. It is, but I, I don't think we, we talk about, you know, what we can visibly see during pregnancy is a growing belly, <laughs> you know, but I think that what happens during pregnancy is our, we have ligaments that help support our pelvis. So we think about our pelvis, like this bony skeleton, um, and, you know, we have our hip bones and um, the pubic bone in the front and the sacrum and the tailbone in the back. But we have ligaments in the front and the back of that pelvis that are designed to actually soften and relax so that our pelvis can expand to accommodate a growing baby during pregnancy. What also happens is our abdomen distends, our pelvic floor muscles become more relaxed, our posture changes. So with all of those changes, it's very natural that some orthopedic conditions can pop up. We can have instability in our joints that cause pubic bone pain, that cause sacroiliac joint or low back pain. Um, we can have postural changes that start causing tension headaches or, you know, uh, nerve pain down the arm or into the hand. And then, you know, with the case of sciatica, because your pelvis is shifting and expanding and doesn't necessarily have that same ligamentous stability, we're asking the muscles to do more. And if those muscles like your piriformis or your glutes or your abdomen aren't coordinated or kind of engaged the way that we want them to be, they can often go into spasm or become, you know, achy and tight. And that can lead to some, you know, things like sciatica um, or what we call piriformis syndrome or, you know, um, low back pain or sacroiliac joint dysfunction. So, you know, it's just a huge transformation for the body and nobody kind of tells us, hey, you know, this, if this happens, we often feel like, oh, it's just pregnancy. But I'm like, well, not every person who's pregnant experiences that. And, we can do something about it. Just like if you had back pain and you weren't pregnant, we would address that just like we can do it when you're pregnant as well. Yeah. So we're looking at really um, a lot of changes in the body, but they also happen pretty fast, right? Like pretty much in essence, the um, you're, you're growing a human in a span of nine months, right? And so growing a human from like one single cell to 
average babies, like between six to eight pounds. Um, and so you're having those changes um, that occur very quickly and place a lot of that ligamentous laxity. And I love the fact that you actually talked about how as those ligaments start to get loosened to allow birthing to happen, those muscles have to contract a little bit more and they have to do a little bit more work. Um, when I discuss um, kind of like muscles operating as well as they should or shouldn't, um, I often talk to my clients about um, efficiency, uh, the ability for these muscles to do their job. And if they have to do a little bit more, just like when we're holding a plank for three to like two to three minutes, like our muscles are going to fatigue, but I can only imagine what that's like when those muscles have to work for nine months or even more, um, as this, as this little human is growing. So let's talk about, I think one of the interesting things, and, and I've seen this a lot when they're like, oh, the best way to treat this issue is to prevent it in the first place. And I think, Yes, that makes a ton of sense. But I think when it comes to people experiencing these aches and pains already, the last thing that they need to hear is to be told that they should have prevented this in the first place. So for the folks who are listening right now who are like, okay, I'm considering getting pregnant um, or I am pregnant, but I don't have these pains right now. And I hope to not have these pains. What are some ways that um, these, these, these women can uh, prevent the, these, uh, this onset of achy joints pain from occurring? That's a great question. And, and, you know, some of this is hormonal. So we have a huge change in hormones in our body at the really early stages of pregnancy. So you've got surges of progesterone and um, estrogen and relaxin, and that naturally will cause some laxity in some folks. Um, but I think if we're thinking about even preconception, you know, one of my biggest things about fitness, about wellness, about pelvic floor health is it's about balance. You know, I think our entire lives I've heard like, oh, do your Kegels and tighten your pelvic floor or, you know, pull your belly button in and hold your core in. But if we're holding everything really tight and tense all the time, it doesn't necessarily function well. It's just tight. It's not necessarily strong and it's not relaxing well. So I always tell people it's about balance. So if you are doing, you know, fitness workouts that are really focused on um, strengthening and tension and, um, you know, tightening, 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 you have to balance that with relaxation, whether that's using a ball or a foam roller to roll out your glutes so that you get good mobility and relaxation to your hips, you know, not pulling your pelvic floor and tummy in all the time. It's about using those muscles with function, you know, pre-contracting with activity, but not holding them tight and gripping all of the time. And then, um, you know, if you're, or on the flip side, if you're a yogi and you do a lot of like relaxation and lengthening, you also need stability. So it's learning how to engage those core muscles, like your pelvic floor, like your abdominal wall, like your deep multifidi, um, low back muscles. And it's, you know, it's so easy to be like, oh, just do all this stuff. But it's, you know, our body is kind of this symphony. And, you know, if one instrument's off, it kind of makes the whole thing go a little wonky. But that's why we have physical therapists like ourselves. But I, I just encourage people early on that it's about balance. You don't need to go home and do a thousand Kegels or crunches a day, you know, but if you're doing strengthening, balance it with some stretching and, and massage. If you're doing a lot of, you know, relaxation, lengthening work, you need to also work on core strengthening stability. So it's kind of going to be the same thing all throughout pregnancy as well. We are going to take a quick break to tell you about our awesome new program called the Sciatica Protocol. If you don't have the time to see a professional, but are tired of trying to figure out this recovery on your own, then the sciatica protocol is for you. Harness the power of a knowledgeable physical therapist through your phone. It takes no more than seven minutes per day, and it is designed to help you recover as quickly as possible. 
Now, having an on-demand physical therapist can cost thousands plus hours of sessions. But with the sciatica protocol, you'll receive the same, if not better, customized care completely free. And why are we making this program free? Because I believe that everyone deserves to live free from pain without actually having cost be the biggest obstacle. It is simple to start and all you need to do is log into ifixyoursciatica.com forward slash the dash sciatica dash protocol and fill out the nine question quiz to begin. The link for the program is in today's show notes. I love that. I think the concept of balance is like, well, you know, it's like physical fitness balance and being able to take care of our bodies, but then also just life balance as well, um, because it translates onto you know, how we carry our, our, our stresses, emotions, things physically. Um, I, you also bring up a really interesting thing, and, and I often talk about it with uh, my clients when we talk about this concept of co- um, context. And so the, the reality is like when you are picking up your child or, or like, we'll say if you're picking up your eight-year-old kid right? Your eight-year-old kid definitely weighs a lot different than your three-month-old baby. And so um, I think when people are experiencing pain, um, especially parents who are experiencing pain, we let, we think, okay, if we're experiencing pain, we need to create all this tension. We need to contract. We need to build up this strength. And so even picking up their three-month-old child, they're creating so much tension in their body compared to, and then also like even picking up their eight-year-old, um, creating a lot of tension. And so being able to say, um, the, the, I, and I often tell my clients, it's like the amount of force or pressure or tension that you generate in your body should be relative to the activity that you're doing. And, uh, I love the fact that you, you talk about this balance when it comes to, if you're going to be doing a whole bunch of strengthening, do some soft tissue work, which will allow your muscles, uh, to relax and give it an opportunity to function, um, well. So, uh, I love that. So let's talk about some, and we might take a deeper dive as we go in through this conversation as well, but what are some general ways um, for pregnant mothers to actually manage their sciatica pain, like from what you've seen? Yeah. So, I mean, even just to touch on what you just mentioned about, you know, in our Western world, I think that we are all about like productivity and intensity and doing more. And we want to keep doing the best that we can. And I think it's hard sometimes for pregnant moms to be like, okay, my body's changing, Um, what I can do is changing. It's a letting go a lot of like pride and ego and attachment to like what I used to be able to do. And it's saying like, okay, this is a season of my life where my body needs something a little bit differently. So you can continue to work out. You can continue to lift weights and do CrossFit and run. um, But you do have to modify. I mean, I think that if we're asking our body to perform at the same level it was before, we're either going to be disappointed or we're going to injure ourselves. And that's, again, we're going through a huge transformation where we need to meet the body where it is and we can train our bodies to do that. But it's also okay to take a step back a little bit for the greater good of the long term of your body. So some of the things that, you know, some of it is just day-to-day stuff. So even starting with the basics of like, how do you sleep at night? When you start sleeping on your side, I tell people to, you know, put a pillow between their knees so that they're in a nice neutral pelvic alignment, um, tuck a little pillow under your belly so that once you start having a little bit of a, be- a baby belly, you've got that weight supported and your, you know, your trunk isn't rotated or shifted. Um, when you're sitting, you know, make sure that you have your feet are flat on the ground. You want to try not to cross your legs and kind of twist them up like a pretzel. And, um, you know, having things that kind of promote more neutral alignment versus kind of asymmetrical alignment that could shift your pelvis because you've got more laxity or put a little bit more tension on certain muscles that aren't quite ready for it. I think also when it comes to 
pregnancy, I, I focus a lot on core stability in the first, you know, two trimesters. So learning how to engage and relax your pelvic floor with movement, learning how to engage your transverse abdominals. So those deep abdominal wall muscles, um, with exercise, it's, those muscles get tired and they're not turning on as quickly or automatically when you're doing workouts. So you all, you have to kind of train your mind to pre-contract before you do a, a, a move. Um, and that's going to help protect your abdominal wall. That's going to help protect your, your ligaments and stiffen those ligaments and then protect your pelvic floor. So it's just getting down some of those really foundational basics. And then I tell people you have to work under your threshold. Like if you experience pain, if you experience leakage, if you experience diastasis recti or abdominal separation, you have to work underneath that and kind of stay in that range so that you're not pushing past what your tissues can handle. When you um, talked about thresholds, like a big light, like shined in my brain, because I think thresholds is really important. I think it's really easy for us to ignore our, our limitations and like what we're capable of. And so I'm very appreciative. Um, thank you for saying that. It's huge. Um, you brought up this, um, you brought up trimesters. And so um, I would love to just kind of do like a quick general overview, of like the, the various different trimesters um, or the three trimesters um, in regards to like things to consider. And you briefly talked about it, but let's talk about, say, um, the first trimester in regards to like first trimester, uh, mother's going through a whole bunch of changes and they're like, oh, I'm starting to feel some of these aches and pains um, and even sci sciatica stuff. Like what are some safe activities that they can do? Um, like during that first stage? Um, Cause I know that there's, there's a, a lot of changes and I know that's from what I've read um, and the, the pregnant mothers I've worked with, like the first trimester is where I want to be the most careful, but then also like keeping in mind there, there's a human being in front of me and being able to see like what works best for them. Yeah. When it comes to fitness and exercise, I think most people can do what they've always done for the first trimester. Um, you're not going to feel weight wise or tummy wise that much of a change. Um, but again, you already are having these huge surges of, of um, hormones that can change your pelvic stability. So I, you know, you already start want to be think you already want to be thinking about that pre-contraction of pelvic floor, that pre-contraction of um, your deep core muscles, making sure that you feel really confident in how to activate those. Um, so, you know, just starting to look at your form a little bit and making sure that you're doing those things, you can automatically start rolling out your glutes and, um, you know, things like that to just make sure that your muscles are externally staying nice and relaxed and then gentle stretching. You don't, you're not at a point where you have to be so cautious. You can continue to do yoga. You can continue to do your figure four pigeon pose to lengthen the hips and the rotators. Um, but the only other things are, you know, you may start to feel nauseous. So a lot of people don't want to work out at all during first trimester, which is okay. I always say, if you can do anything, just walk, like just movement is key for any stage of pregnancy. So don't be too hard on yourself if you need to take a step back. Um, and then just movement is key hydration. And you also have a ton of blood volume. So you might feel like you are not able to, um, kind of catch your breath as much, even though you're just really early stages of pregnancy. I think a lot of people underestimate the power of walking and how amazing that is. Um, I like, I wouldn't get pregnant like, cause I can't, but um, I think one of the things is um, underestimating how impactful like walking can be in regards to the, the, just the act form of exercise in regards to physically, but also just like stress wise as well. 
Um, I, I live, used to live on the East coast where you would probably only have about three months of like really nice weather. And the rest of the time it's either too hot or too cold. I wasn't a big walker over there. And then when I moved out to California, it's like perfect weather all the time. So I'm outside every single day and, um, you living out in new Orleans. And I said in our email that new Orleans is actually like my number one favorite food city. Um, we, we literally were like, would walk miles and miles and miles. And I didn't have the opportunity to work out just because we were on vacation, but walking is probably one of the best exercises, um, to do. And it requires no equipment and it, all it requires is just some nice weather, um, which hopefully, uh, the majority of the folks are able to experience. So, um, all right. So we have the first trimester. Um, we, we, we move past that. Let's talk about the second trimester in regards to like unique things that uh, mothers should be looking out for, or like can or cannot do during that time. That's a great question. So second trimester, um, you're going to feel like you're going to start to slow down a little bit. Um, you may feel really, really good energy wise, because if you're past the first trimester of nausea and, you know, morning sickness, um, you may actually feel like you're having some better energy during the second trimester is when you actually want to start thinking about, um, lying on your back less. So when you're sleeping, you want to start lying on your side, even when you're doing workouts, if you're, you want to start doing more things on your side or hands and knees plank position versus lying on your back for an extended period. The reason for that is the weight of baby is getting greater and that puts more pressure on your inferior vena cava, which is a super important vessel, which brings blood flow to the placenta and to you. So some of the things I tell people, like if you're lying on your back, you can do it for three to five minutes as long as you're moving. But if you start to feel lightheaded, nauseous, kind of, um, you know, cold sweats, then you just need to lie on your left side to improve your blood flow. Um, I also kind of start, I'm not a very like, you can't do this, you, you can't do that, but this is when your abdomen starts to really lengthen and stretch. So minimizing or avoiding certain things like crunches, you know, bilateral leg lifts or double leg lifts, things that cause a lot of, um, that require a lot of um, significant abdominal activation, or they're going to kind of put you into this abdominal crunch position you want to start avoiding because it's just going to increase the likelihood of that diastasis recti or even a hernia, which is an abdominal separation or tear. So you know, doing more things, rolling to your side to get out of bed, rolling to your side to get off a yoga mat. Um, and then when you are doing workouts, you may want to drop your weight a little bit, you know, drop the intensity of your workouts. You can still do higher intensity things, but you may not want to do double unders. You may just want to jump rope. Um, you may not want to do snatches. You may just want to kind of take things a little bit slower. So, you know, again, you don't have that same ligamentous stability and support. So slowing things down, reducing your weight, um, you know, we always say, listen to your body, but it's true. If something doesn't feel right, it's not right. So I would probably just back off a little bit of things, but still focus on activation, exercise and strengthening. Listen to your body. That's a, it's a very important thing. I think, uh, it's so easy for us as humans. Um, and I often talk about this. Uh, with other people is like one of the big things. I mean, there's many things that separate us from animals, but um, one big component is our ability to overcome those signals that we get from our body. Um, like you see a dog and they're walking outside on a hot day. Once they get too hot, they just sit and they just stop. They don't know that they're like two blocks away from home. They're like, I'm too hot. I'm just going to sit down. But for us humans, it's like, okay, well, it's really hot, we're really tired, but we know we just have two blocks left. 
our higher centers of the, our brain can actually make us say, okay, we're going to walk just those two blocks. We can rationalize and create that. And um, I think in this fast paced world, it's really easy for us to ignore those signals. And so thank you for saying like, listen to your body. I don't think people give themselves enough credit in regards to um, listening to their body and saying like, what is my body telling them? And so um, that's, that's really, really helpful. Um, let's move on to the third trimester, right? So third trimester home, home stretch kind of, um, yeah, let's talk about that. Um, what are some things to consider? What are some, uh, what are some unique things that we should be thinking about? Yeah, it's definitely the home stretch. And I think most people feel like, yeah, I'm getting really ready. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting in the first two trimesters, I'm like, you know, focus on strengthening stability. In the third trimester, I really start encouraging folks to, to focus a little bit more on relaxation, slowing down, yoga, breathing, more mobility. Um, you know, when we think about the pelvic floor, I think the story, the narrative has always been, you need to have really strong pelvic floor muscles to push that baby out. That's actually not the case. We actually want your pelvic floor muscles to be relaxed, to be able to lengthen, to be able to soften and just move out of the way because your uterus contracts and pushes the baby out. So we just want your pelvic floor muscles to move to the side. And if they're super tight and contracted, that makes it harder to do that. So in the third trimester, still walking, still movement, um, still kind of, you know, what feels good is fine. But I do say start integrating more um, stretching and relaxation. If you, if you are into yoga and you know poses like a child's pose or malasana, which is a deep squat, um, a figure four stretch to kind of like release the hips and the rotators, um, you know, different happy baby pose to open up the hips and the inner thighs. Everything where we start thinking about just softening and lengthening and you're holding these poses and you're just breathing. You're not going to feel like this super deep pelvic floor stretch. You're just putting the pelvic floor in a relaxed position and breathing into that. And that's going to help your muscles soften. And that's what we want to do during birth. If you're attempting to have a vaginal birth, we want things soft and relaxed. And so you're going to be in those positions for a prolonged period. So we want to train for that. We want to practice for that. Instead of getting into the, the labor and delivery room and you're like, wait, what am I supposed to do right now? And so we focus a lot on learning how to relax and then also breathing and bearing down, opening up those muscles during the birthing process. So, um, you know, this is a time where you, it may feel hard to slow down and you maybe feel frustrated, but again, like your body's giving you information that by this time you could be carrying around 30 extra pounds. You have a lot more blood volume. Um, you're not resting as well. So you do need to slow down and that's okay. And that's almost kind of priming your body for even after birth, you can't just go back to doing what you used to do. It's a little bit of a transition where you need to rehab and build that strength back before you just jump back to what you were doing before baby was, you know, in your belly. For sure. And, 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 and I can only imagine like when, um, like one breathing is huge. I think, uh, I, I made the statement and I may think I read this somewhere else, but like most humans will say Americans, like we're, we're overventilated in regards to a lot of air exchange, but we're also, um, we are, uh, what is it? We're, we're under oxygenated in regards to like, we're not giving ourselves an opportunity to exchange that oxygen and that carbon dioxide between our blood and the air that we breathe because we either hold our breath, um, take shallow breaths or we're breathing too fast. We don't have the opportunity to do so. And what that does, it actually elicits that stress response where everything will start to kind of speed up. And, um, we, we talk about like cortisol response. We talk about like muscles getting really, really tight. And it seems as if during this trimester, we, um, 
mothers want to get prepared for the birthing process where you need to be able to have the relaxed muscles to let the baby come out and come out into this world, um, which, which is uh, such a beautiful and amazing thing. And I can only imagine I'm not, we don't have any children yet. But I can only imagine that that's just, that's just the beginning because when you have the little human and you have the baby, there's a whole bunch of other things that you need to, to consider. And so um, let's talk about like, yeah, okay. Baby's born. Um, let's talk about postpartum. And I mean, totally different world. There's another human that you brought into the family and that is going to be um, working into our, uh, working into the day. So what are some, um, so when it comes to getting back into activity or adjusting to this, even just picking up your child, what are some things that we should be considering um, at that point? Yeah. So this is, um, this kind of goes into a huger soapbox that I like to get on about, you know, I think what we are expecting of birthing people in the United States is um, kind of just too much, to be honest with you. I mean, we don't have, you know, paid maternity leave. There are, there are stats that show that, um, you know, one in four, you know, moms who have just given birth are back to work within two weeks. And you're literally still bleeding at that time. Um, we, you know, I think that people are working until literally days, hours, minutes until they are giving birth and going into labor. And we just, it's hard because I think our society is like produce and expect and like focus on getting back versus like, Hey, where is this person now? What do they need? And how, what can we do to support those people? And so I think the first thing is like, we need to lower our expectations of ourselves and we need to also have society get on board and help support that process. So, you know, for a postpartum mom, you're typically in the hospital somewhere between two to three days, 30% of moms are giving birth via cesarean section now, and that's a major abdominal surgery. And so regardless of the method of you giving birth, movement is still important. I tell moms, I want you up and walking on day one of giving birth, whether you had a cesarean birth or a vaginal birth in the hospital, you know, you can use the bassinet for support. You can use an IV pole. You can have somebody walk with you, but I want you up and moving because that really helps promote blood flow, healing, mobility, working on getting that upright posture after you've maybe been kind of hunched over for a while. Um, but then, you know, once you come home, those first two to three weeks, you're still kind of settling in. You are hydrating, you're feeding yourself, you're feeding baby, you're working on taking your first poop, you know, which is a hard thing to do after you've <laughs> had blood loss or head surgery. Um, so I tell people to take stool softeners and, um, you know, plenty of nutritious foods, but you really, you just want to slow down and kind of, it's hard and it's antsy and you're exhausted, but you need to kind of just give as much respect to that early phase as you can. I find that the moms who go back to working out or the gym or running too quickly end up doing literally more damage to their bodies in the long run. These muscles have gone through your pelvic floor and core have gone through, you know, nine to 10 months of stretching and lengthening. And then you've gone through the whole process of birth. And we need to kind of just give yourself some initial healing. After about two weeks, I say, start going for longer walks. You can start going out of the house, going down the block, pushing the stroller. If anything causes you pain or an increase in bleeding, that's information that you probably need to scale back a little bit. And then I really have moms starting to work more on rebuilding their core strength, um, working on pelvic floor and core, really low level exercises around four weeks. And then you start kind of activating those muscles lying on your back and then move into sitting and standing where you're doing squats and lunges. But that whole kind of early rehab process is 12 weeks. So that whole first 12 weeks, you're not running, you're not jumping, 
you can start doing some body weight supported exercise or resistance stuff with light bands, but just super gentle and easy. And then after that 12 week mark, if you've built up some of that strength, you can start returning to kind of running, jumping, you know, higher weight um, lifting activities, but give yourself some time and do the work in the early stage. And I really feel like moms do better in the long run. The long-term game for sure. Um, and so you're providing some really amazing guidance. Um, this is more information that I've ever than like, like that I've ever had the opportunity to be able to see. Um, what are we looking at in regards to who are the professionals involved with this journey? Because I know that when I speak with um, new mothers and I'm like, okay, tell me a little bit more about your experience. Like, are you clear to do X, Y, and Z? Have they told you, have they given you any guidance? Um, I know that the, for the, for the parents that I speak with, I haven't had too much guidance from their healthcare professionals. So um, let's talk about what, what the reality is like in regards to like, what, what was that, what is out there and what should be, um, should be happening. So, you know, typically it's your medical provider, like your obstetrician or your midwife, who's going to do a check-in with you somewhere between three to six weeks postpartum, I would say pretty standard in the U S is six weeks postpartum. But if you can imagine how much happens in those first six weeks that are moms aren't getting guidance. I mean, I think that that's unfortunate because like, that's the hardest part is the early stage at six weeks, you usually check in with your medical provider. They may or may not do a pelvic assessment and they'll say thumbs up. Things look good. What do you want to do for birth control? And you can go back to sex and exercise as if those are the first two things that a new mom wants to do, which is not the case. Um, but, you know, really they're not cleared to go back because they haven't checked in with a pelvic floor physical therapist that can assess their pelvic floor function, assess their um, strength, endurance, stability before they go back to just doing what they were doing before. And then research shows that 40% of moms are not even attending that postnatal visit. So almost half of women or moms are not even getting that thumbs up to know that things are okay. Again, we're going back to work. We have other kids we have to care for. We don't have childcare. We know that that visit may not give us a whole lot of information. So people may say, hey, do I even need to go? So, but yes, you do need to go check with your medical provider. But I actually encourage all new moms to check in with a pelvic floor physical therapist between four to six weeks postpartum in person. Um, and if you want to check in with someone before, you can go earlier or you can even check in with them via telehealth. I mean, we've helped moms work through so much virtually, just pain, pubic symphysis pain, sciatica, constipation, hemorrhoids, prolapse. And then when we see them between four to six weeks, we can say, okay, are you ready to start doing exercise? Are you really ready to return to sex? What can you do to get your body ready for these things and be their guides? I mean, I think that any other surgery or major, major physical trauma you go through in the US, you get physical therapy. I know fathers who came in with their wives and they're like, I got more physical therapy for my broken pinky than my wife got for her C-section birth. And that's unfortunate because we really need to offer mom's guidance so that we're preventing issues in the long run. And then getting them back to full function to work or care for their families. This is why I'm so thankful for professionals like you, because I, every new mom I talk to, I'll say, oh, we should get them an, like so-and-so's number. And so in regards to like working with people virtually, um, you can help a lot of people and your company can. So if we're, if, if, a, if a new mom or a, a, a mother-to-be um, or someone who is experiencing 
pelvic floor issues. And they're like, you know what? I really want to pick Sarah's brand. I think Sarah can help me and her company can help me. What is the best way for people to uh, get in contact with you and how can they work with you? Um, thank you for asking that. So um, I have a team of PTs that work with me and we do online consults. So it's, um, you know, one-on-one and it's great. It's so convenient when you're a new mom, like getting to an appointment is really hard. Getting in touch with your doctor is hard. And so I think, you know, you're able to pick up the, the it's a telehealth kind of confidential platform that we work on. And you literally just schedule the visit and we send you the link. And then you're able to talk with a pelvic PT and ask questions and get guidance and education and things like that. Um, so we offer that for one-on-one. And then I also have an on- online platform of exercises. Um, it's on-demand workouts for every week of pregnancy focused on that core stability, that strengthening exercise modifications for your pelvic floor and core. And then third trimester, focusing a lot on childbirth preparation, learning how to push, and then postpartum recovery. Like, where do you start? I think a lot of moms feel like, I don't even know what's okay to do, what's what's not to do, am I doing it right? So it's literally a 12-week kind of postpartum recovery program, walking you through the basics of how to start building up core and pelvic floor stability, using your breath so that you're not straining or holding your breath and then getting you back to kind of higher level fitness activities like running or CrossFit or even just, you know, going back and, and you know, to the gym to just do regular workout classes. Um, you know, it's really just to help be your guide. I, I have a similar feeling to you. I'm like, the people who live in my town shouldn't be the only ones who get access to this information and it needs to be affordable and accessible. And I really created the platform to, to try to be able to meet that need. Sarah, you are amazing. And I'm so thankful that, uh, that we now know each other. Um, and I'm so thankful that you have this. So there you have it. We have this entire journey of, of pregnancy and postpartum. It's a, it's, it's a, you know, we'll just say nine to 12 month process, which is just the beginning of, of a new life. And there is hope if you are experiencing sciatica pain and just pain in general to, um, live a, a happy and pain-free life and, professionals like Sarah and myself, like we exist to be able to help you live. So then that way you can be the best parent that you can be. So Sarah, thank you so much for your time today and your expertise. Um, Listeners, I'm actually going to be putting Sarah's uh, contact information in the show notes. So if you want to reach out and get involved with those programs, uh, you absolutely can. Um, Sarah, thank you again for your time today. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice, and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.